Modern life. Between careers, kids, and health, it can be mayhem. That's why we're here. I'm Dr. Lisa Varghese-Kroll. And I'm Dr. Lonre Falusi. We're physicians, moms, and longtime friends who break it all down for you. Wondering how to juggle all the balls and still stay sane? Looking for advice but don't want to be overwhelmed? Curious about how to make the most out of life for your family but enjoy it at the same time? You're in the right place. Welcome to Health and Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. On this episode, we're talking about some sensitive topics that are not discussed often enough, infertility and pregnancy loss. What can increase a person's risk? How do you know when to seek help? And how can we support people experiencing these difficult circumstances? Hey, Lise, how are you? Doing well. Hard to believe we're well into summer. (laughs) I know what you mean. Time flies, especially when kids are involved. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Truer words were never spoken. Their schedules are more complicated than mine. (laughs) Right. Um, And since we talk a lot about kids and parenting on this podcast, I'm looking forward to this episode Um, Because even though topics like infertility and miscarriage can be really sad to discuss, it's so important to get them out into the open. That's so true. You know, the thing is that even if people don't talk about them often, it's happening all around us. Mm -hmm. 10 to 15%, which is about one in eight, couples experience infertility. And about 10 to 20% of known pregnancies end in miscarriage. Right. So if you are in your 30s or older, you can be pretty certain that someone you know has experienced infertility or has lost a pregnancy. So let's talk about how these issues are defined and what supports are available to people experiencing them. First, how exactly is infertility defined? The word infertility sounds so clinical, and unfortunately, it may even feel really cold to hear the term but it does have a specific medical definition that's helpful to know for deciding when it might be time to see a doctor. So infertility is defined as not being able to get pregnant after one year or longer of unprotected sex. For women over 35 years, that time range is often lowered to six months. If you've never been able to conceive, you might be diagnosed with primary infertility. You can also be diagnosed with infertility even if you have had a baby in the past, and that's known as secondary infertility. And infertility is not just a problem for women. In fact, men and women are equally likely to experience it. So in heterosexual couples, about one third of infertility cases are caused by an issue with the woman and about one third is caused by an issue with the man. The other third can be attributed to both the man and the woman or the cause isn't identified. So in any couple, one or both partners may need to be treated. So what causes infertility? We'll talk about known causes in men and in women, but we want to be clear that we don't want anyone to take this as a reason to feel guilty or to feel like they're at fault. We also couldn't possibly list all of the potential causes here, which is why it's so important to see a doctor if you're concerned. In men, generally speaking, the issue can be that the body is not making enough sperm, the sperm quality is not sufficient, or there's a problem with releasing the sperm, or some combination of these. And this can be caused by health problems, such as an infection or a chronic illness, such as diabetes. It can be caused by overexposure to toxic chemicals, like certain pesticides, 
or it can be caused by certain medications, though don't stop taking your prescribed medications unless instructed by your doctor. In women, similarly, the issue might be that the body's not making enough eggs, or the egg quality is not sufficient, or there's a problem with releasing the eggs, or a combination of these. Some examples of causes are hormonal disorders like polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS and thyroid conditions, or problems with the anatomy like a uterus or fallopian tube that's not the typical shape, or certain medications, particularly treatment for cancer, or primary ovarian insufficiency or early menopause, which does not always have a clear cause. And then there are behaviors and characteristics that may make someone higher risk for infertility. One risk factor that most people know about is age. With women, as we get older, our fertility starts to decrease in our mid-30s, and it can sharply decline around age 37 or so years old. So the thought is that the number and quality of eggs decline at that age. And, you know, we do have to talk about the elephant in the room, which Mm. is that the early years of building your career can involve long work hours, more time spent traveling for work, more time getting education. And especially as doctors, we know this firsthand. If being a physician is your first career in adulthood, as it is for most physicians, you will be spending your entire 20s and a good part of your 30s working as much as 80 hours per week. Right, right. And this time in our 20s and 30s overlaps with the prime years for fertility. (laughs) Right. So not to say that you can't have a baby beyond that age. I mean, my mom had my sister at age 41. And we have both have many friends and colleagues who've had babies in their late 30s and early 40s, myself included. (laughs) And, you know, according to data from the CDC, women in their 40s were the only age group with a rising pregnancy rate for several years, with a slight decrease in 2020. That's right. And for men, being over 40 years old also appears to be a risk factor for decreased sperm production and quality. Smoking tobacco or marijuana can decrease fertility in men and women. Heavy alcohol use can also be a risk factor for infertility in both men and women. Being underweight or having a restrictive diet or being overweight can also make it more difficult to conceive. If we know some of the causes of infertility, the next question is, is there any way to prevent it? The honest answer to that question is, we don't really know. You know, experts will suggest avoiding these behaviors that we mentioned that are risk factors. For example, quitting smoking or, you know, not starting smoking, maintain a healthy diet, exercise regularly. We can't say that those things will guarantee that someone will conceive, but it's possible that it may increase your chances. So if you've done all those things and are still having trouble conceiving, the big question is, how do you know when you're at the point of needing medical advice or intervention? Well, the answer is different for everyone, but generally as a guideline, remember that the definition of infertility includes trying to conceive for one year or six months if you're over 35. So if that's where you find yourself, it's probably a good idea to seek help. Reproductive endocrinologists are the physicians who specialize in treating infertility, but you can also just start with your primary care doctor or regular gynecologist. They can advise you on the best timing and on where to go. Your friends, as well as support groups, are also great sources for recommendations on a fertility clinic. So depending on where you go, your first visit with a reproductive endocrinologist will probably be a consultation with the physician to discuss your history and options and possibly some blood testing. This is really important. As with any doctor's visit, we highly recommend knowing your full medical history or bringing your records if you have them. 
So this includes any medications that you're taking or have taken in the past, any surgeries you've had, and as much of your family history as you know. Also expect to be asked lots of questions. You know, it might feel overwhelming, but just remember that the more that we, physicians that is, know about you, your history, and your desires, you know, the better equipped we are with helping you achieve your goals. That's so true. And as for the actual fertility treatments themselves, we won't go into too much detail here since the options really vary widely depending on each individual person and couple. You might be offered lower intensity treatments such as inducing ovulation using fertility medications to more advanced treatments. And those can include intrauterine insemination or IUI, which is when sperm that has been washed and concentrated is placed in the woman's uterus by a doctor in the hopes that the sperm will then naturally fertilize an egg during ovulation. Or they can include in vitro fertilization, IVF, which is where eggs are fertilized by sperm in a lab to create embryos, and the embryos are then placed in the uterus in the hope that they will implant and proceed as a pregnancy. Another advanced option is using a donor egg, sperm, or embryo. The decision is made based on what the cause of the infertility is, what the odds of success are, and in the U.S. at least, we have to think about insurance coverage and costs. These treatments can be expensive and are usually not covered by insurance, unfortunately, or only partly covered. To make this process more equitable, this is really cool. So several organizations actually provide grants to help people pay for IVF and other fertility treatments. And we'll link in the show notes at HippocraticHosts.com to a website that lists over 40 organizations that offer discounts and grants for IVF. We'll also link to a couple of resources with questions to ask when you're seeing a fertility specialist. The bottom line is, it's just amazing that we live in a time when these treatments are available and that people can have hope that they will be able to have a child one day. Could not agree more. But we can't talk about infertility without also talking about pregnancy loss. Mm -hmm. And we know that this is a really tough topic to talk about. It's devastating to learn that a pregnancy, whether conceived with or without fertility treatments, is ending without the birth of that bright-eyed, chubby-cheeked baby that you were imagining. You know, we, we mentioned earlier that about 10 to 20% of known pregnancies end in miscarriage, which is defined as pregnancy loss before 20 weeks of pregnancy. But the actual number is likely higher because many miscarriages happen so early in pregnancy before a woman even realizes she's pregnant. So if you have experienced a miscarriage, you are not alone. 80% occur in the first trimester. The further along a pregnancy is, the lower the risk of miscarriage. Having one miscarriage increases your risk just slightly for having a second one. If you experience two miscarriages, there is a higher risk of future miscarriages. But your actual risk and risk factors are something that your doctor can talk with you about since it's not the same for every person. And, you know, we get it. Like, it's easy to get overwhelmed by the statistics. But what we really want to focus on today is how to heal from this loss if you've experienced Mm -hmm. it, or how to help your loved one who's going through it. And I have to say, each of my three children is a rainbow baby. And if you're not familiar with that term, it refers to a child born after the previous pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. So, you know, like most first trimester losses, my losses were either suspected or confirmed genetic abnormalities that were just you know, not compatible with developing into a baby. 
So I can attest to the fact that pregnancy loss can be pretty devastating, even when it's early. Right, I know. And even with the hope that fertility treatments have given to people trying to conceive, Fertility Network's Impact of Fertility Problems survey in 2016 revealed that 90% of people experiencing infertility were feeling depressed, which isn't surprising in the least. So how can you cope during these difficult times? So we have some recommendations that can be helpful for both infertility and pregnancy loss. So first, remember that you are not alone. For me, once I started talking with a few friends and family members about the miscarriages, I realized you know, how truly common it is to experience pregnancy loss. A few people had lost pregnancies in the past and had just suffered quietly, hadn't mentioned it to anyone. You know, and we didn't go through intensive fertility treatments, but did have some and, you know, found again that talking with folks just reduces the stigma um, and getting mm-hmm. it out in the open was really cathartic. So that also leads to the second point. Which is find someone to talk with about the feelings that you're going through. Even in early miscarriages, people can go through intense grief and it might help to process those feelings with other people. Talking about it also reduces the stigma or shame that sometimes comes with these experiences, like Lonray said. With fertility treatments, your friends and family will be, will be your cheering squad, your crying party, and your inspiration to stay positive. So seek out friends with similar experiences or support groups. You know, you won't need to explain the ups and downs to those people um, who've been through similar situations. And although their experiences might be somewhat different, their perspectives will be helpful. And, and having such a group is especially helpful when you're going through your infertility treatment and you have no idea what to expect. If you don't feel comfortable talking with friends or family members, there are therapists who specialize in the trauma associated with infertility and pregnancy loss. And similarly, keep the communication open with your partner. You know, mm-hmm. so often in couples, one person right wants to be like strong for the right. other person, you know, but we know that we can't suppress those negative emotions forever. So talk with your partner about what you need, you know, how you can best support your partner. And it's much easier to get through these stressful times if you have a supportive partner with you. No doubt. And and don't forget, you know, we tend to cope better when our physical needs are met, no matter what we're going through. So mm-hmm. are you getting seven to eight hours of sleep a night, eating a balanced diet, staying active? You know, we know this is easier said than done, and we're not trying to put more on your plate, but our mental health is stronger when we're rested and our brains and bodies have adequate nutrition. Also, stress relief can come from meditation, participating in your religious faith, and activities such as yoga. So what if your friend or colleague or family member is going through fertility treatment or has had a miscarriage? People, understandably, are always worried about saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But something really simple and yet impactful that you can do is simply ask, how are you feeling? And then listen, like really listen. Even if your response is just something as simple as, I'm really sorry, that sounds so hard. Or as a friend of ours has recommended, you can say something like, you know, it's, it's unfair and no one should have to go through this. You have every right to feel deep sadness, anger and frustration. Take the time you need to process. I'm here to support you in the capacity that I'm allowed. 
I love that. Yeah, right. So just being a listening ear sometimes is all that people need in the moment. Not everyone needs like the Hallmark card or not everyone is expecting like the dissertation and on, (laughs) you know, on like how you feel about it. But just having those like few simple words can be so supportive and feel so caring. Right. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to make the effort. Right. And, you know, we'll link in the show notes to a website that has an excellent list of what to say and not say to people going through infertility. For example, do offer to watch their older kids if they have any, and do support their decision to stop treatment if it comes to that. Do not tell them to relax, as that insinuates that they have more control over the situation than they actually do. Don't share questionable stories about your neighbor's cousin's dog walker who got (laughs) pregnant as soon as she stopped drinking coffee or started eating eggplant, since, again, that implies that the fault somehow lies in the other person's actions. And don't minimize the problem, as with pregnancy loss, it can be quite harmful to say something like, well, you know, at least you know you can get pregnant. And don't give false hope that isn't yours to give, such as telling them you know they'll eventually have a baby when no one knows the future. Right, right. And, and people are genuinely just trying to like be positive and give you hope. But sometimes those words just kind of fall flat if you are just not in that space at the time. So we wanted to share this one um, theory to, to think through. So you may be familiar with the ring theory, where the person experiencing a crisis is at the center of the ring, and there are concentric circles surrounding them. In each circle, in each layer, are people in that person's life. The circles closer to the center are people who have closer relationships to the individual, like their partner or very close friends. And the people in the circles further away from the center are less intimate, like acquaintances who they may see here and there at work. So when you know someone going through one of these difficult experiences, that person is at the center. So now think about how close to the center you are. Your role is to, as they say, comfort in and dump out. So that is when you interact with someone who is closer into the center than you are, your role is to comfort and support them. So that might be that individual and their really close friends and family. You know, ask them how they're doing, validate the difficult feelings that they're experiencing, offer to bring food to them and dump out means if you yourself are going through a similarly difficult time, you might want to share those difficulties really just to the people who are further away from the center than you are. Those who are closest to the trauma will probably not be helped so much by hearing about your own hardships. And of course, this is not all black and white. It's not like you should never discuss your own problems with someone who's also having a difficult time. But, you know, it is a good guideline to remind us to prioritize listening and empathy with those who are most impacted by trauma. And this is a great model to think about, not just for infertility and pregnancy loss, but also for other personal crises that people might experience. You know, and finally, employers can be a huge support for their employees. Infertility treatment is expensive, as we said. You know, people spend on average $50,000. That's right. If they go through IVF, right? And it often requires multiple appointments during the workday. And healing from pregnancy loss requires time for grieving. Women of color experience infertility at twice the rate of white women, even when taking into account socioeconomics. Mm -hmm. And yet women of color are less likely to access fertility treatment. 
So employers who want to maintain a happy and productive workforce can look at their insurance plans to make the process more financially accessible. And they can be flexible with work hours and paid time off to make space for medical appointments and bereavement. I mean, after all, we heard a lot from companies during the Me Too movement about how committed they are to women in the workforce, (laughs) right? And in 2020, about how much Black Lives Matter to them. So here's an opportunity for companies to put that into action. Hear, hear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, Laundry and I, don't want to minimize such a heavy topic. So today, in lieu of a physician mom hack of the week, we want to encourage you instead to read more about the ring theory because it has such potential to help in so many different situations. So to learn more about the theory, do some exercises, and think about how you might be able to use it to help a loved one or acquaintance, check out the show notes for this episode at HippocraticHosts.com. So that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. We would love for you to follow us on social media if you aren't already. We're at Hippocratic Host on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Definitely subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend about the podcast. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to Health at Home with the Hippocratic Hosts. Remember that all views expressed here are our own, not our employers, and all content is for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical advice nor the establishment of a doctor-patient relationship. Always consult your own physician or healthcare team for any medical issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us, subscribe, and tell a friend. And check out our website at www.hippocratichosts.com for show notes on this and all our episodes. Can't wait to chat with you next time.